0: why don't we just design the world we want uh, or need it's, it's that simple but maybe maybe a trifle utopian but it's a, it's an idea that sees with a kind of active agency uh, be the change you want design is is opportunity design is change design might be a noun but design is also a verb and that that verb sense uh, is a rich element in the life of lauded Canadian designer Bruce Mao. Now, Bruce started life in a, in a North Canadian mining town, an environment so polluted, NASA-trained astronauts there because the place resembled the moon. Uh, by age 12, Bruce wanted out and, and leave he did and would go on to work in design for Frank Gehry, Coca-Cola, e- even the holy Islamic city of Mecca... In 2021, his work was the focus of an eponymous biopic simply titled Mao. Uh, Fated life trajectory or an act of embodied design? Let's ask. Bruce is in Australia for this year's Sydney Design Week. Uh, He joins us in the studio today. Bruce, welcome. Thank you. What is that life, fate or design? Uh, I think it's um, the kind of perfect intersection of those two things. (laughs) Well, a question from that, what exactly is design?
1: Design is intention. It's really the moment that you decide you're not going to accept accidental or random outcomes. So the moment you say, I want a specific outcome, you become a designer. Um, And then the question is, do you have good design tools? Do you have good design process or method or a way of designing Um, but we are all designers I mean you think about your life I mean the name of this program blueprint for living I think you really (laughs) nailed it with the concept
0: (laughs) can't take any credit for that but I see what you mean I mean most people though take a far more uh, a far more sort of visual I suspect sense of, of what design is it's a thing which influences objects yes
1: they think of design as a visual practice they most people think of design as fancy expensive things done by individual designers you mm. know si- signature uh, designers but in fact design is not constrained to the visual i mean so much of your life is a designed life that relies on invisible design the kind of invisible systems that that make it work. I mean, the fact that we're in different places and this is happening seamlessly and our listeners are somewhere else uh, is all part of a design system that we take for granted. You know, we're we're unconscious of it, but it's all designed so that we can have the, you know, the beauties and the joys and the benefits of design.
0: And yet it's an interesting thing that, yes, it can be uh, a facilitating Processes like the one you just described, it can also be a thing which which prompts action. It can also push you instinctively, unknowingly towards certain outcomes. Absolutely, uh, you know, your life is inside of a designed envelope.
1: In other words, you know, almost all of your life is happening inside of someone else's idea of your life, and um, you know, they've kind of determined the design of that envelope. You know, we live in a designed environment. We interact with designed things. We communicate through designed interfaces. We, even our interaction with nature is hmm. often a designed interface with the natural world. It's actually not a natural experience. I mean, nature will kill you, given half a chance. We actually make it safe by designing it. Um, and so um, that uh, that designed world is actually where we live, and so actually thinking about design I think should be a much more serious uh, effort you know it shouldn't be happening in the only in the boardrooms and the studios. it really should be in the kind of general conversation it should be in the parliament it should be in our kind of uh, administration, we should be thinking about how are we designing our world? Because much of what we have designed is killing the world that we hmm. that we uh,
0: need to survive. I was going to say that the, the Anthropocene is perhaps the the highest expression of of human design. Finally, we have overwhelmed that undesigned chaos of nature. You know, and we're finally
1: paying the price for that. You know, we... We developed a concept in economics called externalities. In other words, if I couldn't design a solution to something, I simply put it outside of the system. I pushed it off of my uh, off of my desk, and I gave you know I, I made it someone else's problem, an externality. But in the natural world, there is no externality. There's nowhere you know. There's nowhere that's outside of our ecology. Uh, and what we're doing with our work is trying to bring those two worlds together to make a life-centered design that really is designed to be part of uh, the ecology.
0: Isn't the ultimate expression of that, though, to to submit to that ecology, to realize the futility of human design within that, to try and live within the chaos of the world that we inhabit? I think it's actually quite the opposite, which is to
1: design the natural world itself, and it sounds you know, <laughs> scary. When I, when I first, I know it sounds, uh, it sounds ominous. It sounds, you know, when when I first started to talk about this, it sounds muskian, Could I say? <laughs> yeah, when I first started to talk about it, people said, "Bruce, you know, you're a megalomaniac. You know, you just want to control everything." But it's actually not about control; it's about responsibility. And what I saw everywhere was that where we fail to design, we design for failure. You know, where we fail to actually design our presence in the natural world, we destroyed it. Um, And all over the world, you can see where that is happening Mm -hmm. and has happened. And the places where we're actually, you know, where we've done that, we're now going back and we're redesigning our presence there and redesigning the ecology that we destroyed. You know, we worked on a project for the LA River, the L.A. River was originally an ecology. It was a river. Uh, it was then turned into a ditch. It was paved. The entire length of the river was turned into concrete. And it was turned into an infrastructure. You know, it was, we had to control it. And in that control, we, uh, we designed it so that in the, at the height of a drought, we push fresh water out of the city as fast as possible. It's absolutely mad and now we're approaching a new way of thinking about it which is to say we want the river to be an ecology again we need the control we have we we have to have the control of it we can't let it just wander in you know willy-nilly but we want the intelligence of an ecology we want the efficiency of an infrastructure and we want the beauty of an amenity i mean if you own riverfront property in la today it's it's worth less than property that isn't riverfront. <laughs> I, mean, it's, I mean, it has that's to be the only this. city in the world that <laughs> yes. that's the case. But that that's really true, and that's because we destroyed it. We have a new set of responsibilities when you think about the presence of humans at the scale that we're at, and that if we're going to have a future, we have to apply design to even the living world in order to uh, expand, preserve. And, and,
0: uh, and design the living world. I wonder, Bruce Bow, how much of that ecological thinking is, is better than your early life experience. I mean, take us back to that boyhood world. And I, I wonder, what was, <laughs> what was the first contact in that environment with the idea of design?
1: I mean, I grew up in a kind of, in some ways, in a kind of idealized world. I, I lived outside of the dead zone, so I lived in the forest. And I grew up in the forest, and it was absolutely beautiful. But when I went to school every day, we drove 30 miles through the dead zone, where literally not a blade of grass grew. I mean, it was a chemical desert that had killed everything for 30 miles in every direction. What caused that? Uh, the mining operation, the smelting operation, they they had, um, the way that they did it was they chopped down every tree in sight, piled them up, put the ore on top of it, doused it with kerosene and set it alight. Uh, in order to- <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, when you think about it, it's like, what on earth were they thinking? They produced a kind of thick sulfur, so toxic that um, uh, they had to put rope handles on the sidewalks so that the men could find their way home at night. It was so thick they couldn't see. Um, and so this produced a kind of chemical desert that literally killed everything. Uh, at the time, you know, go, going to high school, I remember seeing these guys by the side of the road planting stuff in the desert, and I hmm. thought... Who are these guys? I thought they were like the losingest farmers on the earth uh, because everything died. Um, I didn't know that they were actually scientists trying to figure out what it would take to recover the ecology. And they did it. They actually uh, figured that out. And they just uh, celebrated the planting of the 10 millionth tree. (laughs) They planted 10 million trees in that landscape um, and have recovered that ecology. And, you know, when I was born, that facility was producing about 26,000 tons of sulfur dioxide a year. And that is now down um, very, very close to zero. Um, And the nickel production is up. We figured out how to do that work Mm. with less and less Mm. chemical impacts. And we've, in the meantime, recovered the ecology. They, they estimate that those 10 million trees have produced about 100 million trees. Um, and they've, in fact, kept a kind of park of devastation. They've kept a part of
0: it so that future generations will be able to see what happened. That broad sense. Well, I mean, your, your working life begins in, in graphic design. When did the possibilities of this expanded definition occur to you? as you say as a graphic designer doing identity design you
1: know helping brands and businesses you know helping them define what they do what happened during my working life was that we went from an opaque world where you really you know if you put up an image that's what people saw you really couldn't see through it to kind of test whether or not it was true when you connect billions of computers together you create a kind of transparency that where you really can look through things, and you can see everything. You know we live in a transparent world now, where we can really see into things. Mm. You know, we can see what people are doing, um, and so that meant that what we were being asked to do was more and more to design what they do, and not just what they say or what they look like. Your work uh, in Mecca, for example, wasn't exactly a brand challenge. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, in that case, it's, I mean, it's a good example. They had a real challenge. Um, they had a problem where the design of the city was such that um, people were getting killed by the sheer crush of pilgrims. So they had so many people uh, coming each year uh, and increasing in numbers. You know, the year before we were called, 800 people had been killed. I mean, it was a uh, you know, terrible disaster. And so they called us and said, you know, we need to reconceive the city. Hmm. How do we rethink uh, how this works? And, you know, I had never imagined having to do such a thing. I mean... um, (laughs) Oh, come on. You know, uh, (laughs) if you had had, talked to me as a kid getting on the bus to school and said, you know, you really should pay attention because you're going to have to design Mecca, (laughs) <laughs> um, I would have said, you know, that's not very likely. But that is what happened. And uh, so we had this extraordinary uh, project. And it really was a wonderful um, work with uh, amazing people, the people who run, uh, who run Mecca, um, and ultimately, you know, for the king uh, of Saudi Arabia. And, um, and we did a project to um, reconstitute what we call the zone of respect, uh, to kind of re- reconceive the flow of uh, of pilgrims and the experience it's really um a designed experience i mean if you think about a religious experience it's designed it's very deliberately designed uh, to produce a you know a very specific
0: set of actions and outcomes yes almost 20 years ago you had a a, a chat with david byrne the musician and he he called you unreasonably optimistic. How's that <laughs> <He did>. going? <laughs> it was a funny
1: exchange. He claimed that I was unreasonably optimistic, but I showed him that he was more, even more optimistic than I was. <laughs> that he was, uh, and, and I proved it by by proving that he had actually done more than me. And I think that you know, if if you're doing things, if you're producing things. For the world, that is a fundamentally
0: optimistic gesture. You believe that you can actually communicate and reach someone. It's such an interesting idea that the way in which we conflate seriousness with negativity—it's
1: terrible. It's terrible. I, I think it's a real terrible conflation. That the mis- a mistake that we've made in culture is that to be serious, you have to be negative. You have to be cynical. And that I think is a really uh, tragic mistake. Critical is neutral. You know, to be critical, you have to be neutral. You have to be clear-minded, neutral, in order that you can analyze, you know, look at something and and try to understand positive and negative. You know, what's what's good, what's not, what's you know, what is working, what isn't working. You know, I, I like to say that we cannot afford the luxury of cynicism. Cynicism is easy, optimism is hard, uh, but that is what uh, what we need to do. Um, we need designers. We need to confront the greatest challenges in human history, and that's really what we're you know that's what we're here in Sydney to do. You know we're here working with uh, the University of New South Wales on massive action, and that project is really about taking on that. Uh, problem and trying to understand you know how do we how do we do this how do we t- inspire a generation to really uh, step up to the challenges as we have throughout our history and really show them that we have you know show them that we are we are overcoming um, these challenges it 's why we are absolutely dedicated to life centered design i 'm hmm. on the board of a new architecture school in my hometown called the McEwen school. And it's the first new architecture school in Canada in 40 years. And it's a, it's a collaboration between French, English, and indigenous leaders. And so I've been going up there for you know, seven or eight years now, working with, um, the indigenous leaders there, and I've been learning from them. And I discover that they have a completely different cosmology than, than I do. They think that we are related to the rocks and the grasses. They don't put humans at the center they put life at the center they think that uh you know we're all part of a living system and we don't have a privilege in that system and when i realized that i realized gosh we're uh, we still are working as if copernicus didn't happen you know, like <laughs> we still think that the entire universe revolves around us and if you think about in design the dominant model, I mean, every university in the world that teaches design, teaches human-centered design. It's mm. all about mm. humans. Uh, a good friend of mine, Julio Tino, said, you can teach human-centered design till the end of time, and it's not going to solve climate change. <laughs> you may well, in fact, teach it to the end yeah. of time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you, you can have the happiest humans uh, you know, in history, but you can burn this place to the ground. And so we really have to think about life as the center. You know, we're part of that living system. And that just fundamentally changes our perspective. I mean, that's what
0: Blueprint for Living is really about. On that note, Bruce, thank you so very much. Great thoughts. Thank you. Robustly post-Copernican, Bruce Mao, Canadian designer, uh, uh, in town for Sydney Design Week. And if you're in Sydney, uh, you can catch his keynote address for Sydney Design Week uh, tomorrow, in fact, at the Powerhouse Museum in Ultimo from 3pm. Check your websites for details. Think bigger about the world we live in.